you have your Bibles, take them out and go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Actually, we're going to start in the very first verse of Matthew chapter 6. The theme for this year that those of you that are new this morning and maybe your first time here, thank you again for being here this morning. On the back of the pew, there's a red card, a connect card. Take that and fill it out. And then at the end of the service this morning, join me in the hospitality room across the hallway. I would love to just shake your hand and introduce, and introduce myself to you and get to know you and hear your story of, why, of how you got here and, how, and uh, just hear your name and shake your hand and if you're okay with it, I want to give you a side hug and just say thank you for being here today and for joining us for church today. Uh, but we're, we're in a theme right now called the best life ever. Everybody say best life ever. Our word for 2024 is the word best. And I, I'm going to say this often, but, I, but those of you that know what I'm about to say, please just take it in again. And for those of you that never heard it, this is the first time you're hearing it, I want you to grab onto this. We believe 2024 is going to be the best year ever. And what I mean by that is we're not believing that God's going to give you everything on your bucket list this year. And we're not believing that God is going to give you an upgrade on everything you currently have. What I mean by that is we're believing God for wisdom and direction that when God puts something in front of us or when a situation arises or when things happen in our lives, God is going to help us choose the best thing. God is going to give us wisdom to go, okay, option A or option B, Lord, show me which is best for my life. Show me which in these areas is best for me. And I'm believing that also in your personal life, God is going to give you wisdom and direction to take dramatic steps. And you're going to look back at 2024 and go, man, within my marriage, I had the greatest improvement. Within parenting my children, I saw so much progress and growth. Within my finances before God, which is what we're going to talk about today, I saw God bless me and God helped me manage things and steward things better. In my church attendance, I mean, in every category, category of your life, I want you to see, man, 2024 may have been my best year, my best life. And I'm believing God can do that for you if you'll put your faith in him and let him direct you and guide you. Because as Jesus said in John 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and not just life. What kind of life? Abundant life. And if that word is true for then, that word is true for today. God wants you to have the best life ever. And if you believe that, say amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, because for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. But thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so they may be praised by others. For truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Verse 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Sorry, my pen's in the way. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly, or will reward you before others. And this morning, I want to talk to you about having the best budget ever. Having the best budget ever. Lord, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you, God, that your word is a two-edged sword. It cuts between the soul and the spirit. It cuts between the bone and the marrow. And, Lord, I'm believing this morning that you are going to speak to us today, and you're going to show us the power of what you can do if we surrender our finances to you. So, Lord, I pray right now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. To you, vengeance and victory belong. So, Lord, I pray, as David did, show yourself strong in this service today. I ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe that, what do you say? Amen. And amen. Best budget ever. Last week we talked about having the best diet ever, but we talked about fasting. And we started a 21 days of prayer and fasting this past Wednesday on January the 10th. And it will culminate to Wednesday, January the 31st, where we'll have dinner together in the fellowship hall that Wednesday evening. And we just talked about how fasting is not a diet plan, but what it does is it helps us regulate our physical, spiritual, and mental bodies to be in line with what God has for us. In the same way, how many of you know this morning that God wants you to have the best budget? God wants to bless you. Newsflash, God wants to bless you. He's a good father. If, if, if my son and my daughter and my youngest son, Mark, and my, my daughter, Lucy, and my oldest son, Nate, see what I did there? I went down and then I went back up. If, if, my, if, my, if, I, if my children are in need, as a father, I want to take care of their needs. I don't want my children hungry. I don't want my children not clothed. I don't want my children not to have things that they want. I want to bless my children. And can I tell you, as much as I want to bless my children, infinitely more, your heavenly father wants to bless you. He loves you. In the same way, when we budget our lives and we budget financially, we need to know that God has his own economy. That we don't operate within the world's economy when it comes to our budget. We have to think higher than that. God said in Isaiah, I don't think like you do. My thoughts are higher. I don't do the things you do. My ways are greater. And I want you to think like me. And I want you to do and allow me to do things in you and through you. Because I want you to have the best. Are you with me? In the same way, we need to know that God has an economy because God is a king. And Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. Within a kingdom, there is a kingdom economy. And I, when I, re- I want to lay this out first before I get to any points. If you want to write these things down, please write them down. But you need to first understand and realize as a member of the family of God who belongs to Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Jesus is your Savior and you've committed your life to him and you're living for him every day, you do not live in a democracy. You do not live in a constitutional republic. You do not live in a dictatorship. You do not live in a monarchy. You live in a kingdom. No man rules you. No woman rules you. No empire rules you. No land rules you. No no governmental body on this planet rules you. You live in the kingdom of God where Jesus is king. Pastor David, what do you mean by that? The kingdom of God is not defined by borders of land or by river systems or by continental shifts or or by time zones. The kingdom of God is put it plainly like this. The The kingdom of Jesus is wherever Jesus is king. Jesus is king in your life. You're in the kingdom of God. And therefore, if you're in the kingdom of God, what does that mean? Everything belongs to the king. Everything. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it belongs to him. The Bible says that the heavens all around, the universe around this, our measly little planet, we're not even the biggest planet in our own solar system. 
Much less we're not the biggest planet in the universe. But yet sometimes we get so myopic and see things so, so self-centered that we think that we have, you know, the, that we have the control or that uh, the world's all about us or life is all about us. When in fact, the Bible says the heavens are his throne. Our little earth is his footstool. Because he's a king. And we live in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, the king owns everything. The Bible says the silver and the gold are the Lord's. That the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. Job said it like this. If he was hungry, he wouldn't even tell us. Because he has no need of anything. Are you hearing me this morning? He's almighty. He's sovereign. So here's the cool thing about that. If he's your king, if he has everything, then that means your needs are taken care of. You don't, but Jesus said it this way, don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what's going to happen to you. Is not life more than these things? Look at the ravens of the field or the ravens of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have storehouses, they don't reap in crops. And yet your father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than the birds? Look at the lilies of the field, how they're clothed in beauty and splendor. I tell you, not even King Solomon was clothed in splendor just like these. And if God feeds the birds of the air and clothes the lilies of the field, how much more will he take care of you? Your Jesus said that. It's in red letters. If this is the case, then if I live in the kingdom of God and I live in the economy of God, then I want my budget to funnel in line with the one who owns everything. I want my budget to flow in line with the king. And the king has all. The king can do all. So I want my finances to flow through the kingdom, not through my own strength. Are you hearing me this morning? If I do it in my own flesh, it's going to fail. I'm going to go bankrupt. If I do it in line with what the king says, I'm going to be blessed. And I'm going to have more than enough in my life. That's the law. The law of the kingdom is the law of sowing and reaping. You might want to write that down. Sowing and reaping. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. A man will reap what he sows. This is God saying, as the king, as the Lord, as the master, the ruler of this universe, I have set a law in place in my kingdom that you reap what you sow. If you sow corn, you get corn. When a grass grows and has seed within it, when that seed plops out next to it, a new blade of grass comes up. The grass seed will not plop next to it, and all of a sudden a rose comes up. No, it doesn't work. You reap what you sow. From within what you have, you sow, therefore you reap. It's a law of the kingdom. It's the way it works. The Bible says that if it did not work this way, God would be mocked. That even the water cycle of our earth, it rains, it settles, it evaporates, and it comes back up. There's a cycle involved. As the sky sows, the sky reaps. Are you seeing that this morning? And then reverse it. As the sea sows, the sea reaps. Are you seeing that? What we sow, we reap. It's the law of the kingdom. So in that way, when we sow financially into God's kingdom, you reap out of God's kingdom. As you sow your finances into God's kingdom, you reap financially from God's kingdom. And God's shovel is bigger than yours. Thank you, Papa, for sharing that with me. This morning, first and foremost, I want to talk to you about you have to budget your tithes. You 
Tithing goes all the way back to the first book of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, when Abraham tied the tenth of what he had to, to the priest Melchizedek. And ever since then, going forward, when God would meet with Abraham, the, t- the tenth, the tithe would come up. Isaac, his son, carried on that tradition, and Isaac tithed as well. Then Jacob, his son, tithed as well. And the children of Israel, it became just a habit of the people of Israel that we will tithe 10% to God. And it's not mentioned as much in the New Testament because God said, I haven't changed my mind on this. Keep doing that. That's why if, if, if Paul, a lot of people believe what well, tithing is just Old Testament and we don't have to do it anymore. No, there's no mention in the New Testament that was Old Testament. This is no longer needed. Tithing is still very much a biblical principle that God designed and set up in the scripture that he wants to continue. What is the tithe, Pastor David? The first 10. The first 10% comes to God. The first fruits, some places in scripture may say it. So I want y'all to see that real quick. The first. Everybody say first. Now what I mean by that is you put that as priority in your life. That the first of what I have goes to God. Why are we fasting 21 days in the beginning of the year? Because we're giving God the first of our year. Are you seeing that? In the same way, when my paycheck comes out, one of the, the first, not one of, sorry, forgive me, the first thing on my budget list from my paycheck is giving to God my tithe. That's the first thing I do. Some people are so stickler about this. Let me tell you a funny story. Pastor Robert Morris who pastors Gateway Church outside of Dallas in South Lake, Texas. He would, he would discern boyfriends for his daughters on their tithing record. He would literally watch the church financials to see when they, when they clocked out on Friday if the first thing they did was tithe. And, he would, and they would come up to him and go, can I please date your daughter? And he would go, if I see your tithe come in on Friday, then I know you value God more than you value yourself. And if you value God more than you value yourself, then perfectly in line, you will value my daughter more than you value yourself. Are you hearing me this morning? Because the, one of the strongest influences in our hearts is money. Money makes the world go around. Everything's about the almighty dollar. And God knows that. And that's why God says, okay, crucify that right now. Don't make that an idol before me. The first thing you do when you get paid, give me the first 10. What does that do? It crucifies that control. It crucifies, it's mine. I control this. I do what I want to do. It's my money. It crucifies that. No, it's not. It's his. And it's always been his. So I'm giving him back what's already his. I'm just stewarding his property. We're stewarding this earth. The earth is the Lord's, right? I'm stewarding it. I'm stewarding my marriage. God gave me that beautiful bomb bombshell. I'm stewarding my children. God gave them to us. They're already His. We're giving them back to Him. Everything on this planet, the clothes I'm wearing, the shoes on my feet, the car I drive, this beautiful church I'm pastoring, it's all His. I'm just stewarding it. I'm just taking care of it as best I can. How many of you, if somebody loans you something, you take extra good care of it because you've got to give it back? Are you hearing me this morning? In the same way, God has given you everything you have. Everything you have to your name. The job you have. The amount of income you have. The college degrees you have. The school you went to. Everything that's ever happened in your life that has brought you up in status. Thank God He gave that to you. Are you hearing me this morning? 
So therefore, we have to give it back to him. And we give back by budgeting the 10%. But here's something that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6.1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father. What is Jesus saying here? When you tithe, that's personal. I don't need everybody knowing your business. You don't tell your next door neighbor or the person sitting in the pew next to you how much you tithe this week. Here's what my tithe is. It ain't about that. Your tithe is your first fruit to God. Your personal worship to God. God, I don't tell people what my tithe is because number one, it's none of their business. But number two, this is something you're doing in my life. This is my income. This is my blessing. This is my way of living. I'm doing this back to you for me. They have no part in this. Are you hearing me this morning? Last time I checked, none of you influenced my paycheck because it comes from him. Are you hearing me this morning? He's the one who blesses me. I thank God for those who give to the church, and that helps me fund to feed my family. But at the end of the day, I, you, you are not responsible for my well-being. I belong to the Father. He takes care of me. Are you hearing me this morning? So when, people, so when you tithe and give to God, you're telling God, Lord, I trust you with my life. So therefore, I don't have to worry about those around me. It's, not, it's, not, it's between me and God. It's personal. It has nothing to do with anybody else. And it doesn't have anything to do with my income or my status. It has nothing to do with anything I can call my own. It's a personal thing between me and him to put back into God's hands what was always his to begin with. My, one of my heroes, Pastor Lyndall Cooley at Grace Church in Nashville. Some of you may know him from the Brownsville Revival when he was a worship leader. But he says it like this, consider God's tithe your rent for being on his planet. I've always loved that. I remember hearing a story about this scientist who got arrogant and said, God, I watch the crops, I watch the plants of the earth, and they wither up and they die. I'm convinced with today's technology and what I know about science that I can create a seed that will grow and will not wither and will not die and a plant that will live forever. And God stood back and said, okay, let's do this. I dare you. So he went outside, got a bucket and a shovel and knelt down and God said, hey, 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 uh-uh, that, you can't do that. I can't do what? Go get your own dirt. It's all his. It's all his. What could I do on this planet without him? I can't even breathe without him. I can't keep my heart beating at night without him. Everything I have. If you woke up today, praise God for it. You've been given the present. It's a gift. If you've been given today, it's a gift God gave you today. What will you do with today? Well, the first thing I do when I wake up is I give it back to him. Today is your day. You gave me today, so today is your day. So we budget our tithe. We budget 10% off of it. Now, if you want to tithe more than 10%, God bless you. I pray that I can get to the day. Jessica and I have talked about this often. I pray we can get to the day where we can live on 10 and give 90. I would love to be able to get to that place someday. We give, it, we give by faith and we give more than 10% to God as best we can when we can, believing that God is going to be there to take care of our needs. But I'm believing for the day that the people of God can get to a place financially where we can give God back all the 90 and live on the 10 and watch what God could do blessing-wise to so many people around us by our giving. Are you hearing me this morning? Number two, budget your offerings. Budget for offerings. So we give God the 10%. That's required. God asks that of us. 
Wait, Pastor David, you're saying that it's not it's non-negotiable. If you belong to God and God is your king, you give tithe, you give tribute, you give the first fruits to him. The Bible said to the people in the book of Malachi, you're bringing me the lame. You're bringing me the lambs that can't walk. You're bringing me the goats that are sick. You're saving the best for yourselves and you're not bringing the best to me. You're insulting me. And then he goes on to say, will you rob God? Will you steal from me? This is the one time in Scripture in the book of Malachi. I really don't want to get negative here, but I really want to drive this point home. God says to his people, test me in this. It's the only time in 66 books of the Bible where God says to us, test me. Give me what's mine. Give me your tithe. Give me your offering. And I will open the windows of heaven over you. It's in the book. Go read it. It's the only time in the whole Bible God says you can test me in this. If you give to me and trust me, I will bless you in your life. How many want to be blessed? How many want the windows of heaven to open over your bank account? How many want the windows of heaven to open over your marriage? How many want the windows of heaven to open over your children, to open over your job, to open over your church life? Because Jesus said, pray like this, that Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on as it is in, how does that happen? When the, when the gates are open, when the windows are open and heaven and earth can become one. It can't become one if we don't give heaven access to our lives. When you give God a tithe, you're giving God access to your bank account. When you give God your tithe, you're giving God access to your finances. If you close the doors of heaven on your finances, what are you doing? You're opening the door for the enemy to steal. You have to close the door somewhere. You can't have two doors closed. You can't hoard it all. You either open the door to heaven or you open the door to hell. And last time I checked, when Satan comes in, he ain't satisfied with just ten. He wants it all. He will take you down and he will steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? But budget for your offerings. Well, Pastor David, if God has my 10% and I'm going to give that to him faithfully, how do offerings come in? Offerings can be as little or as much as you want. Offerings can be a little bit here and there, or you can give a lot every month or a lot every week. It does not matter. The important thing is you are, you are hearing the voice of God to give when God says give. There might be a missionary that comes, or it might be a fundraiser that comes, or there might be an opportunity to bless someone that you hear speak in a pulpit or, or, hear, or meet in the foyer of our hallway. Maybe they come and visit, and they stand around, they say the mission work they're doing or the, or the work they're doing in our city or whatever, and you may just feel in the burning of your spirit, give them X amount of money. Write them a check or take up your wallet or, or ask, hey, how can, I bless, how can I give to you online? How can, how can I bless you? through? Do you have a Venmo? Do you have a cash app? How, how, can I, how can I bless you? How can I give to you? I feel like God wants me to bless you. That's giving an offering. That's giving an offering. You are moved by God to give in moments and you're obedient to God. Fact, well, Pastor David, I'm already giving God 10%. What does God want more from me? Because God wants to open up more doors to bless you. God wants to open up more doors not only to bless you financially because you are going to reap what you sow. But I don't want you to say, well, if that's the case, I'm just going to give God everything. I'm just, I'm just going to give God all my money. Sorry, kids, you're living on ramen the rest of your life. That's not what I'm saying. We don't neglect and we don't become bad stewards of what God's given us. But what I am saying is, God, I trust you more than this. 
I trust what I don't see more than what I do see. I trust that even though the numbers are going down in my bank account, you are greater than my bank account. You're going to take care of my needs if I do what you ask me to do. And if God is leading you to give an offering into an area of ministry, then please be led by God and obey that, obey that unction to give because that's an opportunity for God to bless you. And not just bless you financially, bless you spiritually, bless you physically, bless you emotionally, bless you mentally. Blessings of God that, you co- that come through financial giving are not limited just to finances. You'll get more because how many of you know when you plant a seed, you don't just get the one seed back. You get a whole plant full of seeds. Are you with me this morning? In the same way, when you sow a seed into God's kingdom, you don't just get that level back. You get abundant back because that's how God works. Jesus said, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they can be praised by others. For truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. So in the same way, when you give your tithe, when you give your offering, don't talk about it. It's nobody's business. If you tell everybody in the church, I gave $1,000 to BGMC last year. Congratulations, God said, hey, hold the blessing. They just got it. Hold the blessing. Everybody heard them give. That's the only blessing they're going to get. But if you keep it secret between you and God, that opens up the door for God who is in secret to bless you openly. It's very, very important. So we give God our tithe. We budget God for offering. Here's number three. And this is the area the church really needs to pray about getting better at. Budget for blessings. Budget for blessings. Everybody say, budget for blessings. So the tithe is the first 10%, the first fruit. Offerings are being led by God to give. When an opportunity arises to give into the church or give into a ministry or give into somebody who's doing the work of the Lord in the kingdom of God. Blessings are opportunities to bless people in everyday life. When you encounter someone, I was talking with uh, with Brother Rick before the service this morning, and he was bringing up passion and a desire that God has placed on, on his and his wife's heart to bless the people in our city. And I'm looking forward to watching the seeds of those things as they're being prayed over begin to take shape and take root into what God's going to do. But, uh, but that, that's the heart I'm talking about. When you look and see the needs of people around you, and instead of going, oh, I really hope God, somebody does something for them, it's in that moment when you hear the voice of God going, why don't you do something for them? Hey, why don't you go through your closet and find, the cl- and find the clothes that don't fit you anymore? Why don't you be a blessing? Hey, why don't you don't upgrade to the next newest phone? Take the money you were going to invest and get the next phone and take that and give it to a charity. Or take that and give it to a homeless shelter. Or take that and give it to a ministry like Provision 88 over at the Stone Street campus that feeds hundreds of people every week and clothes people all the time. Finding ways to budget your money to be a blessing to other people. I remember hearing a story about an evangelist who was out to dinner with one of, his, um, one of his, co- his partners. And the waitress that was serving them, you could just tell she had this downcast look on her face. But she was doing such a good job. And so finally after their meal came he, and they were getting ready to pay the tab, he asked her and said, uh, Ma'am, if you don't mind me asking, can I ask you, are you okay? 
And the, it was all that she needed to hear. The Holy Spirit opened up a door. And instead of doing the fake, yeah, I'm okay, I'm fine. No, she broke and said, you know, no, I'm, I'm really struggling right now. I'm really, I have had some health issues and I just really need, I really need, I need, I need something good to happen in my life. And he took out his wallet and he was about to lay the tip on the altar. And when he, and when he took out his wallet, he pulled out a roll of bills and he was about to unwrap it and take a few out and give it to her. And she said, and she, before he could, she said, I just found out I got diagnosed with cancer. The moment she said the word cancer, he took the whole roll and put it in her pocket. He didn't budget for that. It wasn't in the, he didn't think, well, I'm not, I'm not going to make, I'm only going to spend $100 at lunch today. What happened? He saw a need and said, I've budgeted to be a blessing. Well, Pastor David, where's that money going to come back from? God knows. God knows. But in that moment, the soul and the spirit of a person was more important than maybe what else he was going to spend that money on. Are you hearing me today? We've got to be ready to budget for blessings. I'm not saying go mortgage your home and put your kids in a cardboard box. I'm saying look for opportunities when you see a need. Don't be like the Pharisee or the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan and just keep walking. If you see a need, if you can help, help. And if you can't help, find someone who can. But we, it is our, we, again, we are stewarding this planet, which means we need to leave it better than we found it. So if I encounter someone's life that needs me to help and be a blessing to them, if you see someone on the street who's homeless and you don't feel comfortable giving them a lot of money, you can pull up to them and go, hey, can I, take, can I bring you something to eat? Go to the next fast food place, get them, a 20, get them $20 worth of food and bring it back to them and feed them for a few days. Or go to the grocery store and get a few sacks of food. And if they have no way to make the food anywhere, if they're truly homeless, then bring them food they can eat. But no matter is what you're doing is you're seeing a need and you're choosing to budget for a blessing. Are you hearing me this morning? It's so important. Look for opportunities to bless others. I love the pay it forward model where when you go through a drive-thru, you pay for your food and the food behind you. I love that. What an opportunity for someone to pull up and go, the person in front of you just wanted to bless you today. You can budget for that. Every week, God, I'm going to take $10 out of my paycheck and I'm going to bless the car behind me at a drive-thru. Every week, I want to do that, God. God is going to look for opportunities to give you blessings if you budget to give them to others. Are you hearing me this morning? You can do that. Look for opportunities. Have your eyes open. We prayed yesterday. We were talking um, as a staff yesterday at our volunteer summit, and one of the words the Lord spoke to us was to give up, was for us to have fresh eyes to see needs that we would not normally see, to see hurting people that we did that normally we wouldn't notice that are hurting. Why? Because we want to budget for blessings and we want to bless others around us. Jesus again says to, in Matthew six verse three, "When you give to the needy, don't even know what your don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing." Pastor David, what in the world does that mean? How can my right hand do something and my left hand not know it? They don't have a brain. That's not what, that's not, we're not, we're talking physical here. We're talking about how many of you this morning got in your car and came to church, got out of the car, and the entire way you got here, you, you did every single turn mentally. Stop, turn left, turn right. Nope, should have turned here. No, should have turned there. I bet you none of you probably did that. Why? Because you habitually know how to get here. You can get in your car, 
talk to your spouse, listen to music, headbang in the car to praise and worship music, and then pull into our parking lot, get out of the car, and you don't even know how you got here. Why? Because it's become second nature to you. In the same way, this is what Jesus is saying. When you give to the needy, let it to be like, that's just what I do. It's just what my right hand does. I just catch myself doing it every day. I can't stop myself because I've budgeted for blessings. Are you hearing me this morning? Imagine what this world would look like if every Christian in the church budgeted to bless others. Can you imagine the needs that would be met? We don't, I am tired of the church waiting on the government to pass the next program to take care of the needy. That's on us. We are called by God to meet the needs of other people, not the government. We are called by God to bless each other in the church, not the, other, not the government. I'm not leaning on a man-made system to bless me. I'm leaning on a supernatural God kingdom to bless. Are you hearing me this morning? Those of you that are here, I want you to remember that. We don't rely on anything man-made for our supernatural life with God. We rely on the king and we budget for blessings that God wants to do in our lives. I normally don't preach on politics, but that needed to be said. Because again, I don't live in the American king. I don't live in an American democracy. I steward through this. I'm a, I'm a nomad here. I'm just traveling through. I'm on my way home to where I really belong. I belong to the kingdom of God. I'm heavenly bound. I live in the kingdom of heaven, not the American democracy. Because I don't know about you, those that live in the American democracy, I don't know how they sleep at night because it's painful to watch. Turn on the news. You'll be depressed in five minutes. You want to base your life and your income and everything that you treasure on that? When it failed tomorrow, the bottom could fall out tomorrow. War could happen tomorrow. And our precious U.S. of A. could cease to exist. I choose to put my trust in something that lasts forever. I choose to budget my finances according to a plan of a kingdom that will never end. I choose to trust the one who has all things, knows all things, can do all things, and is everywhere and is here. I trust him this morning. Finally, number four, last point. Aubrey, would you come? Budget for faith. Budget for faith. You're going to have to stretch yourself. You're going to have to stretch yourself. You can't do all these things the way you've always done them. And every time you grow and God blesses you, He doesn't bless you to build another storehouse. He blesses you so you can stretch your tent a little bit more. And then after you've done that, you stretch it again. And you broaden your influence and you broaden your innovation. And God gives you increase so you can turn and bless others. Every person that God has blessed financially, I promise you, if you look at their life, you will see giving. We can, and, and, and can I tell you right now, I'm not even talking church. Think of the most wealthy men walking the planet, the wealthy women walking the planet. I promise you, none of them are Scrooges. You could look up and see how much they give. Because you don't have to be a follower of Christ for the kingdom of God to work in your life. You miss out on all the supernatural spiritual blessings of being in the kingdom of God, like heaven, and having an eternal place in God forever. 
But even on this earth, if you live by the kingdom of God and you sow, you're going to reap. And when I think of the men and women on this planet that you look and go, man, there's so many zeros next to their name. Look at their track record. They are giving everywhere. They're not hoarding it because that's how the kingdom works. And they don't even have faith in the God I serve. Most of them. But if I budget my faith and go, God, I want to stretch my feet this year. I'm going to believe you for more this year. I'm going to believe when I tithe that you promised me, you all the promises and blessings of the tither, that it's going to happen in my life, God, because your word stands true. And God, I'm believing when I give offerings to your church and when I bless missionaries and when I bless BGMC or Speed the Light or when I bless those that come to visit or when, when, I, when I just feel led to, to bless my pastor or bless my worship pastor or, or children's pastor or lead pastor, whatever God leads you to give to, whatever God asks you to do, I'm believing that as I do that, God, you're going to bless me back. I don't give to watch the checks come in. That's not the motive of my heart. I just know it's going to be a process of it. That when I give, you're not going to leave me hungry, God. That when I give, you're not going to abandon me. That God, when I give, you're not going to go, well, thanks for the money. Bye. That's not what my father does. He's a good, good father. If If my children give me good things, how much more? Do I want to give back to them? Because that's who God is. Jesus said, don't let you know what your left, don't you let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Let your giving be made in secret so that your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Would you stand this morning with us? With every head bowed and every eye closed. As I just said a second ago, the kingdom of God, the law of the kingdom, the law of sowing and reaping works for everybody. But the other blessings that God wants to give you, like blessing you spiritually, blessing you mentally, blessing you physically, blessing you emotionally, you can't receive those things unless you belong to Him. It's hard for the King to bless you if you're not part of His kingdom. So before we go any further, if you're here this morning, And you've never asked Jesus to be king of your life. You've never asked Jesus to save you from your sin. Repent and turn to him and let him save you, be your Lord and be your king. If you've never prayed that prayer to be a Christian, to become part of the family of God, if you've never done that this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you. Everybody's in God and everybody's eyes are closed. But if you're here this morning and you'd like to do that, would you just slip up your hand? Would you just slip up your hand? I want to be a part of this kingdom. I want to join the kingdom of God. I want God to be my king. I want God to be my father. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit every day. Uh, these things you're talking about, Pastor, these blessings, these breakthroughs, this ability to, 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 to reap what I sow, I want that in my life. I want to be part of the kingdom of God. If that's you, slip your hand up. Okay. Then still, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Here's my challenge to you right now. I want you to think right now, what is the next step this year you could do financially for God? Maybe some of you this morning, you've never tithed a day in your life. And after listening to me, you're like, this explains why I'm always struggling. 
This explains why things are happening in my life financially, why I can never seem to get above these things. Because I've had some people people say, Pastor David, I don't know if I can afford to tithe. Can I tell you the truth? You can't afford not to. You need to give your tithe into the hands of God so God can bless you, so God can help you protect your finances, so God can help you be a better steward of what you have. Can I tell you right now, I've never struggled paying bills or getting out from debt because I've always been a faithful tither, and I'm not bragging on that. I'm bragging on God. God keeps His Word, and God will always come through in the right moment, in the right time for you financially if your finances belong to Him. So maybe this morning you're like, Pastor David, I need to start tithing. I need to give God my first 10%. Then that, let that be the thing you start out with this year. And commit to do that. And watch God bless you. I guarantee you, and I'm saying this in faith, but I know it's real. Within 90 days, by Easter, God's going to bless you financially if you start tithing. Pastor David, that's a bold thing to say. I'm holding God to his word because God's word works. If you start tithing today, by Easter, you're going to see your finances being blessed. I promise you, God can do that. Pastor David, I'm a faithful tither. Then then let me ask you, are you looking for opportunities to bless and give offerings? Are you allowing God to move in your heart to be a blessing to, to the missions to be a blessing to pastors, to be a blessing to the children of God, to be a plus, to be blessing to the people you meet every day. Have you felt in your spirit when you see a need, you start reaching for your wallet. You start reaching for your purse. You start looking for chances to bless others. If that's not you yet, that's where God's leading you. That's where God's going to lead you next if you're a tither. God wants you to be a blessing to others. He doesn't bless you to hoard it. He blesses you to share. He blesses you to share with others. Look for opportunities to be a blessing. Sometimes the littlest thing, leaving the tip for a dinner you're at, paying it forward, like I said, to the car behind you, buying someone a bottle of water for a construction worker who may be working on a hot summer day, or in the time we're at now, buying a cup of hot chocolate for somebody who has to stand outside and wave a banner or something. Go through Starbucks, get them a hot coffee, and just give it to them. Jesus said, if you give a cup of water in my name, you just gave it to me. You just gave it to me. If you clothe someone that needs clothing, you just clothed me, says Jesus. When you bless others, you're blessing me. So right here and right now, Lord, we dedicate our hearts to you. We ask God that you would lead us, guide us, direct us, and open up our eyes to see in what areas of our finances, God, we can improve in the kingdom of God. And Lord, like like we just read the scripture, we're not doing this to be praised by men. We're not doing this to have a better reputation. We're not doing this so people see what all we're doing. Lord, we choose to do this because your word says if we do these things, you can bless us. And if we do these things, we're surrendering more of our heart to you and our worship to you. That, Lord, we are saying you mean more. Your word means more. Taking care of your planet, taking care of the people on it means more than our own flesh. Means more than taking care of our own needs. Because if we take care and bless others, you said, Lord, you would bless us and you would take care of our needs. You said, Jesus, to seek first the kingdom of God and your and righteousness with you and all these other things you would add. So, Lord, right here and now, we say we trust you. 
I pray, God, everyone here this morning that needs to begin tithing, you would move on the heart, God, to start tithing so they can inherit the blessings of heaven and receive the protection and the provision that only comes to those who faithfully give their tithe. Lord, to those that are already tithing, that need to begin giving and offerings and blessing others, I pray, God, you would help them to see opportunities to do so. And in those moments, be obedient to follow through and do what you're asking us to do. And Lord, I pray that you would stretch all of our faith, me included, God, me more. I need my faith stretched, God. I need to build up myself in faith, knowing that you are God. Beside you, there is no other. You will do what you promised you would do. You keep your word, and you will bless, and you will provide. Jehovah Jireh, you never fail to supply. I believe it. I declare it. And I pray that the people here at the Refuge West Campus are blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and bless you financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally to be everything he wants you to be in this life and for the life to come. May this be the best financial year ever for you as you give your finances to God. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. And if you, if you want that declared over your life, what do you say? Amen. God bless you.